Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at kineticdogfood. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out. Horizonstructures.com. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, I am Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma, the time as always so uh with me from canton ohio most of the time as always is eric sambro eric what's up um what am i doing oh expanding the daycare building today uh moving into another training spot today working scooby this morning um i spent hours driving from tractor supply to tractor supply to tractor supply to get a um to get kennel panels with the gate. Um, It's a, it's a long thing to explain, but it has to do with the, the rooms that I'm expanding into at the daycare. And so I would go to one, they wouldn't have any, even though they said they did, they'd call the other store. Oh, we have two. I needed three. We have two. I show up, they have one. Uh, Okay. I call this other place. That's another 25 minutes away. Drive to that one. They said they had one, they had zero. So it's just whatever. (laughs) <laughs> and in the meantime, it was 55 degrees here this morning. And by four o'clock, it was 30 and freezing. Yeah. So it's like that here. Winter finally came to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's going to get below freezing the first time tonight. So um not super happy about that, but I've been letting the puppy sleep inside. Uh, he earned his inside house manners or his inside wings. So he's, um he gets randomly pissed at three o'clock in the morning and just starts like trying to flip the kennel over and I'm like, uh, so I get up and take him out, which I'm not super happy about. <laughs> so uh, I had to listen. I'm like, is that kids, puppy, uh, cats? It sounded like maybe kids and a cat fighting. That was pretty funny. So uh, what are we doing today? Well, okay. So last episode we had on Todd Mona and, you know, we don't do like Joe Rogan episodes where we talk about doing a shitload of DMT for four and a half hours. So we try to keep these like an hour, hour and a half. Sometimes, you know, we did this with um, Travis um, a couple months ago. Also, we had a double episode. So we're bringing Todd back because 
there was a lot of nuance that I think got missed in some of the building search things. So Erica, you and I were talking after the episode and we're like, oh man, we, there was so much that got missed. And then like after the fact, Todd and Eric had a conversation uh, and there was like so much stuff that got missed also. And like, I really feel like um, we had to have him back on because we get a lot of conversation. We, we get a lot of questions about building searches. We get a lot of questions about um, kind of the stuff that goes into those and um, so we wanted to have Todd back and specifically talk about kind of the central portion, the middle portion of the interview last time. So back again is Todd Mona from Connecticut. Todd, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? Thank you for having yeah. me back. and Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, to kind of brief everybody, uh, you're still a canine handler. Um, just yeah. like you were last time, um, you saw the same dog. It's been like a week since we talked to you. So nothing has like really changed. I mean, you haven't gotten fired or anything, right? I, you took my joke away. So I still got a job. <laughs> my bad. Because <laughs> you, know, you know how that, that happens here quick in Connecticut with the, in this state. I, well, I was watching the news and nothing happened. So not over there anyway. You know, the rest of the country is apparently shopping at 100% off sales for Christmas. So I just was kind of like yeah well <laughs> you didn't you didn't so you didn't get fired between now and then so yeah you're still a canine handler out in connecticut um with a long history in fact your first dog or your current dog you actually raised uh red and rage so i mean which is a huge achievement in and of itself so um eric why don't you walk us through a little bit last time like what we started talking about you and todd walk us through the box procedure that we had for um starting the building search procedure that todd likes to do yeah, so we started, if you guys go back to listen to the episode, the first episode, we talked about kind of the basics of where it begins, which is very similar to the way uh, that I was doing it when I had the boxes, like when I still worked at the department. A lot different, though. Todd's moving moving the boxes around a lot more, uh, using um, more cover. I was still kind of doing more of the USPCA style in the middle, kind of focusing on the dog, sniffing the um the slit at the bottom barking, getting reward, but Todd right from the beginning is teaching tactics with it. Um, we ended up spending so much time on that. We barely even got into the building aspects of when we move into the building. And one of the things that Todd and I were talking about is, and we agreed to definitely agree on this is we try to do as many different buildings as we can with the dogs, new buildings, new locations. Um, however, it throwing the dog into the deep end, right. From a brand new building that he's never seen. I, I mean, there's probably a little bit of value to that every once in a while, but we're not trying to break dogs. So I talked to Todd and we're going to start there. So Todd, um, your say tomorrow is your training day. You guys have a brand new building and you got 10 dogs going. Nobody's ever been there. Uh, what's, what's the beginning of that look like? So the typical way I like to do it, any new building that we haven't been in or say it, maybe it's a building we've been in once, but you know, we're, it's a large building. So we're not running the same uh, exercise as we did at the last in service. We're going to choose a new hiding spot, a new area to where um, we're going to, you know, have a nice creative bite and so forth um, or the find, I should say. Um, when we do that, what I'd like to do is I like to bring in each dog real quick, just for like two minutes, just let each dog walk around, do their thing, let them investigate on their own. And we kind of just monitor each dog real, you know, as they're, they're making their way through. 
And is there any, any behavioral changes in the floor? Are they, they gravitating towards the wall? You know, all the little things that uh, may come to light if the dog is uncomfortable with a certain setting, okay? Because what a lot of guys tend to do is they'll walk in there and be like, you know, if they're a good group and they got some solid training, they're going to go put the decoy in the deepest, darkest, hide it, uh, you know, tiniest little crawl space bite and stuff somebody in there with a, a bite suit on and a helmet. And it's, you know, it's all good. It's creative. It's, it's hard. It's real life. I get that. I love it, but uh, it's a, you know, crawl, walk, run sprint thing, in my opinion, when it comes to building searches. So what we'll do is once we do the walkthrough and the dog's doing fine, shows no issues in, in where we're going to do the find or the bite, you know, just pay him with the ball or just walk out depending on how old the dog is and um, where he's at in, in his career. Um, a, a lot of times I've, I've seen videos that guys have sent me and even sometimes by accident from guys in my own group that just didn't realize they'll just give a dog a ball walking into a building. And that's actually a big no, no. They think that it's going to be a way to help the dog, like have a positive association with the building and everything's going to be good in there. And, and sometimes what you end up doing is you end up rewarding a dog for a bad behavior. So you get that gravitation up towards the wall or, you know, he gets a little herky jerky on some gymnasium floors, the shiny wood floors, and he's got a ball in his mouth or he was given a ball at that time to try to get him over that hump. And obviously, you know, we know that you're rewarding that behavior, that, that behavior we're not desiring at, at, you know, what he's doing. So um, my thing is if there isn't, there is an issue with a dog, we address it then and there with food and that dog will have a different, um, scenario than the other dogs as long as uh everybody else's dog is looking pretty good so food is my uh answer to starting to get a positive association with a floor getting over these dogs with certain environmental environmental issues uh before you go into the actual um building search what i'd like to do if we have enough time i had some decoys available um we have a couple guys that always come out and we'll just do an environmental fun bite where we're going to do the actual building search find and bite. So if you do your proper decoy work and you, you know, maybe works on some of Justin Rigney's power biting or, you know, you're, you're doing all your stuff that is communicating to the dog that like, Hey, that was a good, good bite. You just had, you, you drove that guy to the ground, you drove him back in the corner, had a nice, power lift off and bark the decoy out of the room and you won the room and then paid him with a tug or a ball. Now your dog actually seen something in that building. And he's like, yeah, I, this is my ground. You know, I, I kick some ass in here. So when you bring them in for the building search, which is a lot more complex and a lot more steps involved, they've already come out a winner. You know, it's kind of like their home base already. So those little things make or break the dogs. And unfortunately I get, I, I mentioned it on the last episode, I get a lot of calls from guys that are like, Hey, my dog's regressing on the building search or he's not hunting that well, or, Hey, his bites diminished on building searches. I could tie him out. He's better. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's the environment or it's the, you know, the communication process in that building search bite scenario portion of it. So that's kind of how I do it for the most part. Um, just quick example. Um, we had a dog that uh, wasn't a big fan of the cast iron bathtubs, slippery, uh, Jumped in there, kind of was a little little freaked out, jumped out. Uh, you know, instead of 
uh, paying him and playing with the ball, uh, you just had to go back to food. Uh, if you try, he was a wicked strong dog. He's still one of the strongest dogs I've, I've probably taken a bite from. He's still working um, today, but he'd let the ball go out and he'd like check his feet and then he'd come right back and take the ball um, or your hand because he's, he's that crazy for the ball. So I don't, you know, I didn't think he would have that issue and you learn something every day, even though you've been doing it for quite a while. And it was like, nope, put the ball away, go get food. And Joe went and grabbed hot dogs from Seven Eleven, and he fed that dog in that cast iron bathtub and any bathtub he could find. And that dog will go in a bathtub like there's no other today. In fact, he will at his house, he will jump in the bathtub when it, when he's like, you know, you're hungry time to eat. He just, he just will run to it. So bathtubs are um, no longer an issue and they're gone. So he, it's a, it's a nice, uh, you know, positive association he has with him now, just because you, you took the time to work on the environmental before having to go put some pressure on him with the man and do an actual bite there. I wonder if you could translate that to kids, like little kids that hate the bath. Listen, get in there, dude. Here's some pizza. Here's some chicken nuggets and see if dinner's in the tub tonight, guys. Uh, you bring up an interesting point, you know, and it's one of those things, um, to me, building searches have always been about, um, you know, I, I like to try to have the dog kind of like range out from us. Right. And that's, uh, that's fraught with its own problems, <laughs> but it, I always find it easier to get them to come back to me eventually than it is to get them to go away from me. And I think Eric will kind of like chime in here in a second about one of his dogs that used to like look for a dog, <laughs> find somebody and then kind of turn around and look at him and be like, Hey. You coming down here or what? And so, um, you know, we do a similar thing. Like when I introduce it to a, like a green dog, um, the way we used to do it. And I think the way a lot of guys do it is they'll do a hot search. Right. And for those not familiar with like warm, cold or like cold, warm, hot, hot search is where like, literally we tease the dog up with a decoy and he runs off and they see the, de the decoy take off. And, um, then we just like, you know, turn the dog loose and he goes and finds him like the decoy runs. So like, he's in his mind, his dog mind, he's already like so far out ahead and he knows like there's somebody in the building. Um, the last couple years, three, well, oh, shit longer than that, like five years now. Um, I've started starting, I started with cold searching, um, and doing them in the dark. Um, and I've, but before this, I've already done what you've talked about. Like I've already taken the dogs in and just kind of like testing them with environmentals in a low drive state and seeing if there's anything weird. Um, and then I take them to a familiar building where they know the layout of where they've seen it in the daylight or they've seen it with lights on. And then I start making the announcements, random police can I make yourself known to the dog will find you and he will bite you. And of course that means nothing to the dog. You can sit there and look at me and I scratch on them, but you know, they're kind of sitting there like, Oh, whatever. And then my decoys, know that when they hear that they make a they make a noise and it's a non-human noise so they knock like they make a huge loud noise from way deep in the building and about a hundred percent of the time if you're looking on youtube you get this right ears come up mouth closes and all of a sudden they're like what the fuck was that and then literally we go through the building and the decoy makes noise the decoy makes noise so the dog is like in a like heightened state of drive and then at some point he finds the decoy then he fucking fires up and lights up and barky, 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 barky. Then we allow a bite. And then I have found that 
doing that, I get dogs that tend to be very quiet. They don't bark during building searches. They don't act like dickheads. They understand from the beginning, they got to start looking with their nose and with their ears, not their eyes from the get go. And, but I start the exact same way. Like I bring them in, I'm like, Hey, this is where, you know, and you know, I just kind of walk them around in there. Um, if we have the poppers available, if the dogs on poppers, not Dutch boxes, I'll do some detection sessions in there as well. Just kind of like, it's a neutral place. Like they understand that it's a training building or that it's a training area and that they should be doing something other than playing fuck around in there. But yeah, I mean, that's, I, I love the way I love starting it that way in a low state of drive. Cause I've had problems converting dogs from a, bringing them back down to a hunting state and then they get frantic and I'm, then I'm fighting that forever and I can't stand doing that anymore. <laughs> you brought up a great point about the ears. So if you just say you're searching a warehouse and you, it's huge. So you got a hundred yards to your left and a hundred yards to your right and a hundred yards deep and it's real life. Uh, believe it or not. So I can't believe people don't know what the acclimation phase is or use it to their advantage. I'll get yeah. into that later, but, um, or actually we should do it now real quick. But the acclimation phase is like, if you know, you're coming out of a hot car with AC or it's hot outside and you got your AC pumping all day, you get into a building search and now you're in a building that's got no AC. Um, and there's that drastic climate change. You want to get that, you know, Freon out of his nose. You want to allow the dog a little bit of time to acclimate his nose to the environment that he's going to hunt and search in. During that phase, um, whether you give announcements or not, you can learn a ton by just watching your dog's ears. And it comes into play in area search, building search, and your tactical tracking. So if you ever had a high-risk deployment and you you know you're getting close to a bad guy on a track or something or you're, you're about to cut a, guy, a dog loose on an area search and you know, you, you're just making announcements or whatever, just take the extra couple seconds be quiet, be still, and just watch your dog because they can hear a hell of a lot better than we can. And those ears, if they start tilting over and start moving to the left, well, damn it, that's where your gun sights should be. Your gun sights should be mirroring your dog's ears because there's a really good chance that if it's somebody with a, you know, a weapon out there that your dog has already picked up on the sound of something, maybe a twig breaking, maybe moving behind a shelf in that warehouse, um, or just, you know, the guy's bedded down or whatever. He's just, he moved and there's a sound in the woods coming from that direction or a sound in the building get, and you're, you got your gun out, you put your sights where your dog's ears are because there's a really good, really good chance that that he's already locked in on it. And then obviously we go from there to relying on the nose work to come into play. So one of my handlers, this is a great story. I've got it on body cam. I need to go back and see if I can find it. One of my handlers was doing a, a, a track for a dude that was a domestic violence guy. And he'd ran off with a screwdriver, something, not a gun, but he'd ran off with something. And they had tracked him into an alleyway. And in this alleyway, like the handler was kind of like trying to surprise a dude and like jumping down. Right. And the cover guys are kind of like moving back and forth and everybody's doing it correctly. So he sends this dog into like this little tea area behind these two restaurants. So there's a large area where they are allowed to do, they can have like, um, like where they have like the, like not the full semi, but like those big box trucks for deliveries to the back of these restaurants. They have a couple of trash dumpsters and stuff back there. And there's a bunch of other just random shit. 
And so they're tracking up to this spot. Right. And the dog is doing like, even on body cam, you can see he's, he's 10 meters out and his head is like all over the place. And the handler's like, you can hear him say on the body cam. He's like, he did not go over the fence. He's in this alleyway or he's, he's down, he's down this way. Cause they had a headwind coming into it. So the handler posts up next to this, the corner and sends the dog out and downs him. And you hear him like kind of talking to somebody talking to the backup guys. And he, and one of the other backup guys is like, Hey, he sees something. And you see the handler swing around and you see the dog and his ears are closed. His ears are up and his eyes are, and he's like looking to the right, he's down, but he's looking with his head to the right. And all of a sudden the guy that they're looking for had just beat up his girlfriend or his wife, whoever it was. She called him to tell him that the cops are looking for him and the phone rang and the dog heard it and the dog smoked him and he was hiding in a pile of trash, but had a hand and he had a, he had a big, like, I don't know what it was. It was like one of these weird, like boning knife. I don't know what it was a super sharp knife, but uh, the dog smoked him. And I mean, he was, he fought with the dog fought with them. And, but it was like, the handler was like, man, he was like, I knew we were close. He was like, I didn't know where he was at. And I knew I had perimeter on the other end and they hadn't seen him. And he was like, so I was just going to sit there as long as it took until the dog saw something. He was like, cause there's no way in hell I was going to fight with this dude with a knife if I didn't have to. And sure as shit, the dog like snaps his head to the right and looks and then the phone rings. And of course it's like that Nokia ringtone. Like you can hear it on body cam. It's so loud. And it's like, do, 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 do that. Everybody knows what it sounds like. And the dog just lit up and smoked him. And I asked the handler in hindsight, I was like, what if it hadn't been him? He was like, well, I didn't think about that at the time, but <laughs> we were pretty sure it was him. I'm like, uh, this is just some, some fucking homeless guy sleeping in the fucking dumpster. With this should be out in the public. Don't be hiding. Yeah, I'm exactly. Fuck, man. So I, I had a question for you. Um, and this is kind of um, uh, not a hot debate topic, but a topic that that a lot of people differ on. And I'll, I'll give my my side of it first and the reason why. Um, so. Dogs, when they start to figure out, as after Ted was talking about the cold start, and they start to figure out the warning, what the warning means, right? Um, you know, department, who you are, what you want to do, the consequences for not doing it. And then some dogs will start barking, right? When you give the, you give the announcement. And <clears throat> my second dog would bark all the time with that. Maybe I can't remember if my third dog did or not. Um, but so my thing is, so then guys end up spending a bunch of time correcting and trying to shut their dog up during all that. And their reasoning is uh, they want to, they, they say it's because they want to hear if the person gives up or um, they want to be able to say uh, that they, um, they could hear the person, not hear the person, whatever. And I actually personally don't give a shit. I don't care if a dog barks or doesn't bark when you give the, the warning. And the reason being is the dog's barking is going to be picked up on your camera, your partner's cameras, everybody's cameras there. It's juries, judges, IA, everybody. That's what they're listening to. Everybody. That's what they're listening to. So when the guy says, I didn't know there was a dog there bullshit that's you can hear it clearly hear it so when a dog barks i i don't really care some folks some guys don't like it and i get it um, and that's fine i just don't spend all the time with the handler fighting his dog at the breach point 
trying to get him to be quiet and starting a conflict right from the beginning. Um, where, where's your opinion on that? So my opinion is um, when I do the boxes and all that, what ends up happening is um, some dogs end up becoming redlined or very close to redlined because we're putting them in extreme prey or hunt, you know, uh, hunts kind of playing off of being in prey, but we're, we're putting their drive so high that they always want to go in there and pick a fight that they typically will just start barking on a building search like you just said. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I start to work on capping at that point. So I just get up to the door and I put them in a down. And if I don't get a bark, I just, you know, give them the search, search command. So it's kind of like a balance, it'll teeter back and forth because what I'd like to do now is I'd like to get my warnings in clear as day and then I just fire him up by grabbing the collar real quick. And then we have our, you know, bucking them, whatever you got to do. I wear a, an e-collar with a handle. Um, so I just touch that tiny bit, tiny, you know, a little bit of fingertip worth of opposition reflex. And it's like, phew. so he sounds off and then, you know, just tell him that I just use a no bark command. I said, no bark. And then you get, you know, some couple more seconds of quiet so in case anybody wants to give up you get you get to hear them so just like you said we're all wearing body cameras nowadays they heard my announcements clear as day the dog is barking so you better believe it that a dog is there okay and the dog can bark pretty darn loud and then um you afforded him you know 10 15 20 seconds whatever it is after your announcements and the dog sounding off and you got no response from the subject who is in the building. So at that point is when I cut them loose. And then I have to say, then I have to repeat it in four other languages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over the speaker. And so for those people listening to us that may have a dog, that's like five or six years into his career. And um, there you go. You could not have timed that any better. And then I'm, you're about to hear I'm going to turn my mic down. So I just gave him his be quiet command. Um, So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. So um, (laughs) if you're listening and your dog's got like five or six years into his career and he just loses his absolute shit. I see it all the time at these seminars. Like the handler makes an announcement, blah, 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 blah. And the dog, the handler says, whatever my agency is canine. And the dog loses his mind. And I'm like, okay, well, we have to have this like we got to have this exercise go through at this point so right now like let's, right now is not the time to have this conversation about drive capping but just know that you need to drive you need to cap some drive the other thing is if you can't fix this if he's been doing this for thousands of reps i tell guys and if you're listening to this right you're not doing building searches alone or not hopefully you should at least have one other dude there the announcement doesn't have to come from you and you don't necessarily have to be there so you can have somebody else make the announcement when you're on your way they make the announcement, then you show up, and then you get exactly what Eric mentioned, right? You make your announcement, and then dickhead canine, you know, canine barky face decides to make his presence known, and then you're like, hey, did you hear anything? No, we didn't hear nothing, whatever else, right? And we're going to assume that we're going to do the soft leash and whatever else, and we're good to go. In the one other thing that um, for Tenth Circuit guys, uh, there's a case called U.S. versus Thompson. 
Um, U.S. versus Thompson. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. It's Thompson versus Salt Lake City. Um, in that case, they determined that you do not have to make announcements if you suspect somebody is armed. Um, if you have a dog that does bark during those announcements, you're going to have to deal with some noise, noise discipline issues. And um, that that that's for tracking. Now, there's been some debate whether that applies to building searches or not, but it's kind of a safe bet that if you think that they're armed, you don't have to do it in the 10th Circuit. Um, the Mini Tonka case says that we have to do the three announcements that you should. The U.S. the Salt Lake City case determines that you necessarily don't have to if you think they're armed. But if they bark, they might as well just be a beacon for getting fucking shot at so that's a whole different deal but i mean ryan eric can tell a story about ryan and jethro but that was a deal like he didn't suspect that somebody was fucking armed sitting in a grocery store but um two other considerations but if you're somewhere like out in the middle of nowhere and you have a training group and like all 10 of your dogs bark like in, in an actual call you don't necessarily have to be there like somebody else can make an announcement didn't have to come from you it just has to be made and you can also uh just leave the dickhead in the car i mean they're not going to go anywhere you've got more guys there so just wait for a second but um those are some things to think about um i know i'll get some emails i fucked that case it's you it's salt lake city versus uh, thompson versus salt lake city if i remember correct yeah and what i used to do is if i had a call to to a building and it was i don't know man i, I i'm not so sure about this it's like you get to the school alarm at three o'clock in the morning and you find an unlocked door and no forced entry. So it could it be a teacher. Could it be just the wind? Could it be whatever reason we end up doing those ones on leash, but I would also then on those have someone else give the warnings while I'm back at the cruiser, give the yeah. warnings, out comes the dog up. We go, that way we can clearly hear the teacher go, oh, it's me, it's me, I fucked up. Because I think we've been yeah. a teacher before. Um, well, there was and, a case uh, in San Diego where a San Diego PD bit that chick that was a, passed out in her office on yeah, a Friday they night. They ended up winning. That. They got it thrown out. Yeah, but, they did, but. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, same thing. So we end up going on leash for those. But it's, um, but if it's a, if it's a burglary, like a burglary in park, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Dog barks. I personally, I don't care, but I do see what you're saying, Todd, about you, you have to look at your dog. Is your dog barking because it's just an associated thing with the warning or is he getting spun up to where his first 10 minutes are not going to be any actual nose hunting. It's just going to be running around like a psycho biting the couch, attacking a cat. What, whatever he can find going in there, then you definitely do got to do some drive capping stuff on it. But guys are typical. Regular handlers are not good at capping. Well, here's the other thing, too, on during the acclimation phase. So, like I said, I got quite a few bites on building searches. And the smaller – I shouldn't – the smaller the building, the, the more you'll recognize it. But if you're in the right spot of a larger building and the dog has the odor right from the get-go, I tell this to everybody, that shit all goes out the window. Because your dog gets repetition after repetition after repetition at training of somebody being in there in a suit and this, that, and the other thing. Or if you don't use a suit. So we do a lot of just alerts where we'll come up and pay them just because I don't want an equipment association. But here's the thing. If you have a true bad guy, somebody who smells different, is different than what that dog is used to. That dog, for me, this has been and for two dogs. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's dogs police dogs in general, if I had to guess, is that when they, if they catch that odor 
on a real call. They shut the fuck up on their own because they are investigating it and their wheels are turning in their head and they're like, this is outside the, the norm. I like what I'm smelling here because they're probably smelling some fear scent going on. That dude's probably like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I got to hide. I got to hide. I got to get. And that, and that's why I go back to your dog's ears because the ears go, if they can hear it. And then you watch the nose, the nostrils start to, you know, flare and then head rises a little bit. And before you know it, the dog starts creeping and you, you're like, Oh, I got to put this dog back in place. But that's, that's the truth is that your dog is like, there's something here. And it's, it's not really, uh, it's not stagnant odor. It's, it's fresh bleeding odor. And, and that's a good sign to, to, for new or for handlers to be aware of is that watch your dog during an acclimation phase of bringing him to the building and just downing him, um, behind cover, of course, and just letting his nose get acclimated to the environment. Plus, uh, and this is, it's if, and I'm sure we all have done it. There are handlers that are come. You're, it's a hot call, like pretty, you got there quick and the guy's locked in a house, we think, or a church say that he broke into or something like that. Um, we rush up, run up, get, get everything. We got our perimeter run right in, blah, 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 blah. And let that stink a little bit. Let that build in there. Take your time. If you've got a perimeter, I mean, if you're a place that has two dudes working, you're, you know, you're, you're behind the eight ball to begin with. But if you've, if you've got exits covered, if you've got corners, watch, take your time, get your dog out, do the acclimation. If you can, if, but if you see like Todd's talking about, you're in there, get letting him get acclimated. Maybe you're listening a little bit and you, your dog gets it and starts creeping. I'm unhooking. I'm unhooking and going. Uh, if I think they have got a piece of something, um, but I used to, I'm bad habit, man, get in there real fast. And then the guy, if the guy was, is, hasn't been in there very long and he gets deep into the house, it's, you gotta let that shit build up a little bit. Um, and cause our, you know, our point is to let the dog locate the guy it keeps everybody safe. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. We get back. We're going to hop back over to training stuff. Um, talk about some environmental problems or issues or things that we come up with. And then there's another subject that I want to bring up of that um, dogs leaving the odor, looking for a back door or a way into the other and how, how you go about uh, keeping them, keeping them where they're at. So we'll be right back. Hits canine training conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level 
better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit stops little issues from becoming big ones so it comes in a spray it comes in an ointment it comes in a dressing it's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing you really only have to use it like once a day so there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle since it's temperature stable you don't got to worry about it getting hot getting cold or anything like that so put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet vetcare.us on the internet quick derm by vetcare on the inner on instagram and on facebook and then hit them up with the discount code one zero wdr for 10 percent off your first order so my entire time that i was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement the cars at my department in the departments that i trained all had american aluminum accessory kennels in the cars different cars man dodge chargers all ford models some chevys uh suvs cars everything we loved american aluminum accessories um it's a great product a great company they've been serving uh canine law enforcement community for over 20 years if you check out their uh, website ez that's the letter z ezrideronline.com they got testimonials they got videos on how to they got a list of everything they have uh just today we made a post on the working dog radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the american aluminum kennel in the back of the car Check them out online, guys. EasyRiderOnline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police Canine Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com, and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. 
All right, everybody, Working Dog Radio, we are back broadcasting the bite with uh, part two of Todd Mona talking all things building searches. Um, so we're talking about actual deployments, um, but I want to back up to the training part of it. Um, so you, where do you find, we'll, we'll talk about the training part, but those all that, you, you know, we've talked before, you had lots of building apprehensions, lot, uh, bites and buildings. I had I had bunch, mostly uh, still. I think most of my bites were outside, but I had some uh, in a in a commercial building. When you're finding people, where are you finding them usually? Where are the bites happening? It's honestly, it's been all over. Uh, the building always dictates, you know. Um, commercial, uh, I should say, residential burglaries. <laughs> uh you will find them in the craziest of spots and then um commercial buildings it's i had one uh i had one it was behind a closed door and the dog actually hit the handle and pushed its way through you know the ones that you push down so he alerted at first and i'm like oh they're you know we got it we knew it was a burglary in progress i'm like it's down the hall it sounded like it was in the basement but he pushed he ended up pushing through. That was a boiler room. Um, so you take it's 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 mostly where they have the best concealment. Um, I had one in a basement in a closet up on like a third shelf, and the dog was actually able to just get on his hind legs and just jump up and, and take them. But it, it's really I, I think it's obviously the buildings are going to dictate what what they can and cannot do and where they can and cannot hide, but um it's always been it's just they've always been concealed pretty well i really didn't didn't have any that were just you know out in the open and we train those out in the open bites which you should um there's several different types of bites you should kind of focus in on during your training is you know um you should put them in an open room but leave the visual um so say they come down a hallway and get into a room uh put them behind the door you know, so that you take away the visual side of it. Cause the next time you come in the, into a building, you do an open room find or something like that. They tend to start using their eyes more than their nose. So take the visualization out of it for them and make them use their nose to the very last minute. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's, it's been all over. I've had some, some crazy ones, you know, that, that one in the basement and he really, he climbed up on three shelves, which was about six feet tall. And that, that dog jumped up and took it. So that was good. Can't complain about that. Those of us on the East coast are lucky because uh, houses have basements and that's everybody <laughs> goes here. here. Yeah. They're I'm either going to be in the closet, the bedroom uh, stuff between the bed and the wall. Yeah. That was, that was just going to say bed and wall. I've had a couple of those. Yeah. So I don't know if the bed was always there to begin with though. That's right. the thing. We're behind the water heater and the washing machine downstairs. We're going to smoke your ass if you're hiding behind there. So we've had a couple where dudes are what I call a shithead taquito. So they wrap themselves up in something or they hide in a pile of clothing. This is why during some of our, um, some of the HRD seminars and some of the other stuff, we do like hides with guys like covered up and they're literally just standing in the middle of a room in a sheet. So it's a non-normal presentation, not necessarily in the middle of the room, but they're just not concealed, right? And the dogs are like looking around, looking around, looking around. They finally decide there's something there and they're like, what the fuck is this? And they'll smoke whatever's standing there. Um, Billy, 
Sawyer, um, Longmont PD inboxed me a couple of days ago. And um, I don't think it was his agency, an agency that he trains with as part of their training group, had a bite with a guy <laughs> that he was hiding inside a mattress and like full on the dude had hollowed out the mattress and was hiding inside of it. And the dog was like, I guess going ape shit on the mattress and their hands were just like, what in the hell is going on? And they're like, oh, fully, bah, 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 bah. you know, they think he's fucking around. And the dude was hiding like inside of a queen mattress, like, and they flipped it over and he had full on like hollowed it out like a book. Like he was hiding something in there. Um, but, you know, you bring up a, a good point when I yell or not yell and I talk to my handlers all the time and I'm like, you know, eyes, ears and nose in that order. And I want them using their nose primarily. And then we can start to confirm as they get better uh, with ears and then their eyes, like, you know, they're prey animals first and foremost, even though they don't like have great eyesight, like they have pretty good eyesight and they chase stuff, which is why they chase tennis balls and squirrels and people and whatever. So, you know, we keep talking about the acclimation phase where, um, you know, you're watching what they're doing and you're watching their head. And that's what we're yelling at when we do yelling at handlers and when they're handling for detection work and for tracking, we're like, you know, read the, when we say read the dog, like, what's he doing? He's sniffing. What's he doing? And when they start like acclimating and they start like giving you signals that something is in the building, they're kind of under the impression that there's enough odor that I should be able to hear this dude, or I should be able to see him at this point. Like there's gotta be something I'm close enough that I should be able to hear him or see him. And that's when we start using some of the marker training stuff um, that we do um, to help the dog because we're like, hey, I know you're here type thing. And the dogs are like, ah, and they freak out. We do it for um, our proximity alerts. And then we do it for our um, um, kind of like our stuff in the, the building searches when we finish it. But I started, if I have the opportunity, I start from the beginning with young dogs, um, kind of their kind of their like i know your right command is hey show like show me your hands if the dogs hear me say that like it might as well be a bite command like they're they know like they're correct and my decoy is noted too but i mean that you bring up a good point that you know it's a getting them to hunt i nose first and then kind of the acclimation phase so that we're not in such a crazy state of drive all the time that we end up with much cleaner searches so so I find, and you probably find this too, um, floors end up being one of the biggest things, the problems that that we see when we're going to fail dogs or dogs are going to struggle. So if I get a dogs in from Europe, it's usually a Wednesday or Thursday. By Friday or maybe that following Monday, depends on, on how they made the flight. <clears throat> I'm at a building that has, it's an old school Although, man, I was there today. They have turned the heat off and they've turned the water off. So that building is fucking doomed, man. I've trained a million hours with dogs in that building. Um, but anyways, uh, I take them right to the building, right? Gonna uh, When you walk in the door, there's a runner. There's a, a, a rug. So I get them in, you know, give them a fair chance, and then they come off. And it's then it's all school floors. Um when you see, I know we talked about with the food, have you ever had a dog that just didn't love, he would do the work. He just didn't love it. The flooring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, it's weird. Cause like, obviously if, uh, you tap into drives, um, some dogs will, won't even think about floors, you know, but if they're in a low state of drive or just not in drive and you're just letting them be a dog in that building. Yeah. You could see, that it may bother them. So that's why you, you gotta be, 
uh, kind of fair and say, and let evaluate every dog and just, you know, cause you, you could, if you can, if you can get over it, you know, with food, wonderful, but you're evaluating your dogs that you just purchased. So you got to just, like you said, give them a fair shot and see it. But drive is a crazy thing. And I've, I've watched drive over the years. Um, just and sometimes in dogs that you wouldn't expect it. Like when they get in drive there and like black out fucking crazy mode that will fuck shit up. But then sometimes they got the weirdest little quirks. It'd be like, yeah, that that's a tree, man. We're on a track. You, that's a fucking tree. Why did you just get spooked by it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that, that you're just like, you, you can't, you can't even understand why a dog, it bothered a dog. And especially a dog that it's been that strong or got street bites and so forth. But yeah, they, it, it, so I, raising puppy, we got the, we're raising the next one that we got right now is just about four and a half months. But I told Steve, our handler, that's got him right now. Um, you know, they bounce back and forth. They're like, Oh, you know, he's great. He did excellent on these floors. He loves these floors. He loves these floors. I'm like, give him a week. He may just hate it tomorrow and (laughs) come back in like two weeks and be like, totally fine with it. You know, that's just, it's just dogs. It's just how they, how they are, you know? And that's why uh, going back to like my little building search school that I do, it's just so important that as strong as they are, they're just as equally fragile. And you just got to do the best you can to not get ahead of yourselves and set the dog up for failure, either knowingly or unknowingly, because it's really hard to recapture some dogs, um, you know, when things go wrong and other dogs can be brought back with one other rep, you know? So, yeah, it's funny. My second dog, Willie, he worked with a a handler for three years and they worked for me with me for three years between the two of us. We had like 120 bites with that dog scared to death of thunderstorms and, <laughs> yeah. and before it would even get to the thunder part, he would start the, you know, atmospheric pressure change, maybe or something. He would start getting weird. That dog in the dark would fight five velociraptors under a porch, but get a little bit of thunder and he w- it was over, buddy. He was done. It was very strange. He was okay with gunfire. Although we used to teach aggression and gunfire. So he'd F you up, but uh, thunderstorms, he was Gandhi. So what do you think it is, um, about like the old school floors, that kind of industrial tile, what is it that gets dogs all thrown off? Is it light reflection off the floor or, cause you'll see dogs in those same thing will be on a, on a tile floor, you know, an old kind of uh, school hallway and then they go into a slick ass concrete floor and they're fine. Um, when slippery wise, it's about the same, but what do you, what do you think? What's your opinion on it? I think it has to do with color, light reflection and being slippery. Because if, when we moved into our new PD about I don't know, 15 years ago, now the floors are shiny as fuck. They wax them like every day. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> Basically, what what it is though is that it has sorry about that uh, it has grit. So here's a floor that is shinier than those school floors because you know those aren't being you know those aren't being polished anymore and they're they're filthy with the bottom of our boots and all the dog training. But it's the combination of the light 
the slipperiness in color. So like I said, ours has grip, but it's twice as shiny and it's fine. All the dogs are fine. Um, so I don't have my e-collar on me, so I can't correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're dog trainers. That's who cares? Yeah, it's more like I'm, I'm dog sitting. My There's like a thousand dogs. dudes listening to this right now in their patrol. Yeah, sorry, guys. On third shift and their fucking dogs are lighting up right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's, uh, to me, I, I, reflection has a big deal of it. That's why those lacquered old school gym floors, Mm-hmm. To me, I, I think those are the, the, that's probably the floor that I've seen the most problems on us. And it's, it's the reflection. And, you know, I don't know how they view that as if it's, uh, you know, at, at the angle where their head is and where they're walking and what type of lights you got in there. But man, every time you get those, I've seen a lot of dogs immediately just fucking do the, the low crawl and try to get to the wall. So, um, and those aren't slippery. I mean, they're playing basketball. Right. on them, So it's, it's definitely a shininess. The the sheen to it, I think, is probably the biggest factor of them all. But train that, train that, because if you know that that's your, if that's the hardest thing that we're gonna come across in terms of floor surfaces, train it, train it correctly, and start start it slow. Do it with food, and then when you notice your dog is running on it to get to food, then you could start tossing a ball on it and he should be holding on to that ball or tug and not letting it slip out his teeth because he looks down at his feet and then he comes back for the tug and ball because he was on, he had some uncertainty there for a minute. So um, those little things like that, if guys are trying to train and get their dogs over these surface issues or flooring issues, if they're slipping off the ball and slipping off a tug to recheck themselves, you should put the ball and tug away and go back to food. Cause you're probably just uh, getting nowhere with that. I think, uh, I think you're on to something because I used to have access to a building here that had that old school, like same type of flooring, but it had, um, yeah, it was like, a, and, right? yeah, I yeah, mean, right. but it had been remodeled. They didn't do the floor, but in, there was like a, a huge kitchen. I mean, like a huge kitchen, and about six feet up all the way around inside of this room was stainless steel. So like the big, the entire room was like basically a mirror almost, right? Like not like a mirror mirror, but like it was like real refractive and you could send a dog in there and it's completely pitch black and they're fine. And then you hit it with a flashlight with white light and they're like, holy shit, they lose their, it's like them would lose their shit. And I think it's this thing with, um, depth perception, um, which Eric has a whole thing about why, dogs always fuck up about when they're running down a hallway to chase somebody and they always turn early. Same thing with like the deals, like dudes that teach runoff bites or runoffs for teaching tracking. And, um, but I think it's a depth perception thing. And it's the same thing. Like they don't understand the difference between 20 feet and 200 feet, which is why you watch puppies like navigate stairs. They look like drunk college freshmen walking downstairs. <laughs> and so, and I like, they kind of, you know, they do the whole, if you're watching me on YouTube, I'm doing the puppy thing. And like, they kind of like feel out with their feet to see how far they can go. Um, I see the same behavior in dog, like super strong dogs that are introduced to um, smoke or to like a smoky, like we gas out a room uh, with a tri-chamber or with the smoke machine where, I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face, amount of smoke. And they do the same thing. They treat it like a wall and then they hunt, they look for a wall, right. To hug. And then they, until they can realize that they can hunt in that 
like in that fucking swamp. And then they're like, oh, okay, fine. You'll see him. Like, we've done it before. One of our um, like local guys, um, Tactical Electronics is here and they have a camera that does like thermal shit. And we've used thermal cameras in there and watch the dogs and they fucking bounce around like ping pong balls once they figure it out. But it's interesting because they have no depth perception and it's hard for me to walk around in there. But I think that's what it is. And it has to do, um, there was another place here that occasionally like they have a room that's full of mirrors and sending a dog in there with like a decoy like they can see like the decoy and they're like uh and you can stand there and there's a hundred decoys there's only one person in the room and watch the dogs freak the fuck out and run into mirrors and run into walls and it's it's a depth perception thing i mean eric what's your take well yeah i mean we've talked about it on here before i i think as good as their ears and nose are i don't think their eyes are as good as people think depth perception wise you can see if it's a light into a dark room where they'll touch the dark and fall into the room or sit and bark at the door. But I will say this. Um, I have a theory too, that. So one at the fun house, I have a smoke machine and I have a, a strobe and I'll do a combination of both. I'll fill the room with smoke and I'll put the strobe light in there or just just the strobe. I, I don't think that the strobe light actually messes with the dogs at all. From what I've seen, I do it because it gives the seizures to the handler. Yeah, I mess with the handler more than does the dog. Yeah, I, I don't see. I haven't seen a dog that's a good committed dog have a problem with the strobe light, which is strange because it's you know it's a like we're talking about the way light reflects and everything like that. Um, they seem to, to to get through that pretty good. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and take another break. We get back, we're gonna get into um, how how Todd does the trans take the box to the to the building and keeping the dog committed to the hot room without trying to find a back door. So we'll be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland canine training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart and they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tactical police canine training.com. You get on there under training the online course. But here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. Uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go, get on tacticalpolicek9training.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The doctor guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. 
They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with your dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR10, they'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900S or that Ball Popper Pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR10. So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen Manufacturing is so important. These guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at ALM uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him, give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a, suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already 
already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them. Uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it, or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, we're back uh, with Todd Mona doing all things building searches. Um, so before the break, we were talking about um, dogs have terrible eyesight. <laughs> That's what we've come to clue. You know, That's what I tell people all the time, eyes, ears, and nose. Even though they have terrible eyesight, they prefer that. That's why they chase tennis balls and squirrels and people. Um, but uh, yeah, so before the break, Eric, you mentioned um, we're going to take... So if you listen to the first episode that we did with Todd, the one right before this one, um, he kind of goes into a little more detail than about the box searches. So rather than rehash that, let's do it like real quickly, but how do we take that skill set and move it into a building and then keep them committed to that space rather than trying to find the workaround or trying to find the hack, which inevitably ends up biting a backup guy <laughs> or they end, they end up doing what happened to us at one of the HRDs. The dog just bounces out of a third story like he runs down the fire escape and he's running around with a bunch of kids with the muzzle on. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, the theory with the boxes is, you know, you, you use it for narcotics, you use it for explosives. Right. So, and then we proof it, we start pulling on them and they bang, go right back to the box. Like their nose is a magnet. You know what I mean? They, that's where they know they're going to get paid. So it's the same thing. Um, the USPCA style boxes, or if you make boxes of yourself or whatever, if you're ghetto like us and you use sandy cans for a while, because that's all you had, um, you teach the dog that reward is that source. Hum human odor reward is that source. You know, they already know if they're cross-trained, they already have that association with reward being at source for doing direct. If you do indirect, it's, you know, it's fine too, but they understand that if they're they're at source you're going to have the marker click bang re, uh, you know the for the indirect so that's what's keeping them there and then yeah we use a variable 
Um, you start with one bark, bang, paid at source. Two barks, bang, paid at source. Five, 10, 15, 20. Um, if they're doing it on long line and you start doing what you do on narcotics where you proof it and you start pulling them and they're still sitting there trying to get at the box and they're digging their feet into the dirt and they're trying to drag you back to the box, then bang, they get paid. So they realize that we, we keep odor at source or we, we keep the reward at source. So during a building, uh, they typically don't leave. Uh, it's just that in the same token, I guess, you, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing in the real world. Uh, if they can find access a different way to the bad guy, um, you know, hopefully uh, you can kind of train that in a tiny bit as well. But for the most part, it's, it's just as simple as keeping them there at the box. And if you keep their human odor um, reward system consistent with their cross-trained reward system at source, you're, you're just going to have a um, very clear, uh, you know, very clear um, communication to the dog as to what you need and want from them. So if you're working on them barking at the door, what is your reward? Um, it, it depends at what stage we're at and what we're doing. But I mean, I do everything from, uh, you know, I really don't use a sleeve. We use hidden sleeves. We use bites, suits, um, hidden bite suits. And um, when we're trying to get away from equipment, if I feel like we've done a little bit too much equipment, um, we just pay them from behind, bang them with a tug at source, um, muzzle, you know, same thing, just like that. When you, uh, are rewarding with, um, uh, say a tug at the door for bark, bark and it's human odor and the, the dog knows cause they've been, you know, rewarded the way I do it when I'm going to reward that I will, um, do it two ways. One where I'll have the decoy has got the door propped just a little bit foot blocking it. And then the barking boom, he pops the door dog comes in and barks and then I'll have it where the handler actually pops the door for the dog. It kind of mix it up with that. But if you're rewarding with the tug, do you, do you have the handlers immediately start tugging or if the dog gets the tug spits and goes back to the door do you have an issue with that? How do you do with that? No, we don't, we don't have an issue with it. Um, none of the dogs we've had an issue with it. Um, I, I think because we, I'd like to think it's because we switch it up so much that they're, they're just clear. Um, we do some things where you might pay them on with like a tug on like an outer door. So like, say there's a room within a room. So you tell the decoy, hey, you're going to be in the main room for 15 seconds, run around, blow real quick underneath the door, and then go into the closet. So once the door dog gets that, you know, outer um, outer door, you know, maybe the, I'll have the decoy pay him with the tug, um, just like a narcotics fine. You pay, pay him from behind, smash it against the door. He's all happy. Out him, open the door send him back in and then he gets the next door. He's got several others to choose from bark, bark, bark decoy gives him that reward. So again, we just, we're always switching it up. I think that's the most important thing is make your dog numb to environment 
take them in as many buildings as you can, and then constantly switch up your equipment, constantly switch up your type of fines and how you reward the dog and um, your, your hides as well. Don't always do behind a door. If you got a building with cabinets, uh, we got one building that's pretty cool right now. I hope we keep it for much longer. It's, it's got one of those computer rooms. So it's got that elevated floor. Mm-hmm. It's got about a foot. So if you take out some of those panels, they also have a big filing cabinet that weighs like probably 200 pounds. We just open up the doors and you can have a guy lay in the floor. So now you have it low find. So if you're, if you're doing all these different things to, to kind of always keep the dog guessing and he, and he can't figure it out, he's going to revert back to his um, foundation and that's just go to source and I'll get something. So guys, guys get into, into problems when they just do the same thing over and over. And then, yeah. you know, they, they go to, they go to, they say, Oh, let's, you know, have HRD come or, you know, let's, let's go to this outside training. And then it's like, you know, it kind of, you test the waters outside of your own pond. And you're like, oh. 50 mile rule, yeah. <laughs> 50 mile or you got to get 50 miles away to find anybody yeah. knows what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> but those dudes that live 50 miles away think that their local guy doesn't know anything either. Um, you mentioned something um, that Eric um, talks about a lot um, from the tracking side, right? So, and this is kind of where they tie together. Like how many guys listening to this have had a track that wasn't necessarily successful, but they got picked up by the homies or they got picked up by the old lady. Right. So the track just ends, right. It's not like he just got picked up by, I mean, he got picked up, but he didn't get picked up by an alien. Like the dog isn't wrong. And we've talked about it uh, a couple of times, like Jack Shirley. And then we talked about it a couple of times where people are known to get, and I've got several um verified times where our guys have tracked and then they track and the track just like dies there's nothing there right and it's not that the dog is wrong he's not wrong i mean he did what he was supposed to eat but they got picked up by the homeboys they got picked up by the girlfriend something and so a lot of times and the doj has said that i don't eric knows the stat like whatever how many it's that Tra- dogs are only successful like 27 percent of the time or something no i, I was told 11 percent of oh, tracks are successful whether that's finding evidence person i don't know who fucking i, I don't know what well and there's never been well, any i've looked for that study and i can't find yeah. it i don't think it was the doj i think it was a bunch of cops at a seminar said this some shit oh, okay well so but now if you now, think about now it now we're, I mean, now we're talking about urban and legends. there was beer involved too so right. yeah we're talking about fucking urban legends but what? It, with cell phones and cars, it's that's got to be pretty close. Right. So, you know, and one thing that our guys do, well, that I make my guys do, um, is I'll do a blank with odor. So I'll have somebody sit in there without an equipment on, right? And I'll have them, and if it's hot as shit, even better. And they'll sit in there for half an hour. We'll pull the decoy out. I'll have them crawl out a window or something. I'll send the dog in. I won't tell the handler. <laughs> They're like, they think there's a decoy in there. And it's like, oh, he's got to be in here. He's got to be in here. I'm like, why? Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you watching the dog? Like, what's he doing? What's he telling you? He keeps going to the window. I'm like, oh, he, he must have come in the window. I was like, or he went out. <laughs> like, I mean, so, I mean, and it happens all the time. Like, how many times the dude's listening to this? You go to an alarm call. You go to a call with, we know, it could be other cops. They're like, we know he's in the building. You send the dog in, and they're like, oh, the dog sucks. Nobody in there. And they're like, nah, well, he was. He was in there, I promise. And then, you know, I've, we've got multiple stories of dudes like being in there and they gas a house and the dog can't see anything and he can't smell. And he's like barking. He's like literally barking at a guy that he can't see and he can't get to him, but he knows he's there. And so, you know, this whole conversation is revolving around commitment to odor. 
And one of my favorite exercises is doing similar to what you just mentioned, Todd, where I'll send a guy in, the dog goes in and finds him. We get the barky barky, right? Barky, barky, barky. We'll recall the dog either silently or however we do it. We'll pay him at the handler. He comes back. He play tuggy tuggy, right? You out, you down. I'll make another announcement during that time, the handle of the decoy resets. And it helps if you have like a hallway with like a room that's connected to another room and the dog will, I mean, hundred percent go straight back to where he just found the decoy. And if they're in a closet or whatever, we'll leave the door open. So they're like, Oh bro, I know he was just here. And then the dog starts going, the dog then has to convert to another drive and go back into hunt. And then he goes deeper into the building looking for more odor when he realizes that there's nobody there. And, um, that works only when it's like super obvious, to the dog that you can't like, there's nothing for, there's no barrier for him. Right. So, but it has worked really well for getting dogs that are, um, like Eric mentioned, like dogs that are kind of unwilling to leave, but we recall them back and then send them back. They go back straight back to the odor and they end up figuring out themselves like, all right, well, I mean, I'm going to go to fresh soda. I'm going to go to fresh soda, which is what we want anyway. Right. Like go find the bleeding odor, go find the fresh soda track and go find the bleeding odor in the bite work and the, or in the detection or in the building search, go find the fresh soda. I know it's the same. It's still human odor, but go find the other one. But, um, that exercise, I think, um, our guy, our new guys do that. And they're like, Oh, it's kind of a cool trick. I'm like, well, <laughs> just remember when, when you're actually doing this, that people leave and that they can move. Like just because the decoys don't move during training all the time doesn't mean they don't move in buildings. So, yeah. So when you're translating, when you're going from the um, boxes, you've been working those and you're going to go to a building, you got a building as a hallway doors, uh, opposing doors all the way down, or maybe even, you know, staggered doors all the, all the way down. And this is the hallway we've, we're going to work on. Are you a, in the beginning, a uh, kind of a long line, direct them to the bottoms of each door. They're not allowed to pass a door. Is it one at a time? Or do you start with let's hunt this hallway and, and, and kind of put perspective to it. How do you do, how do you do that in the beginning with them? So I actually prefer the opposite. I prefer to teach independence first because then once a dog learns to be independent and search on their own and hunt on their own, you've influenced them less by when you put the long line on. Mm -hmm. If you put the long line on first, I think what happens is you, the dog tends to become reliant and he tends to become influenced. Um, and then again, we're using them for their nose. So like, you know, we're, we think we're doing the correct thing sometimes. Whereas if like we let it play out for a second more, we might've had the answer we're searching for, meaning like, yeah, he just got into odor or like, you know, what's, what's the, what's the scent doing inside this building? Is there an air system on, is there a central air, is there heat? So rather than me try to um, influence him or get him to commit to a certain thing, um, I, I like the dog to be independent. Cause again, when I do the boxes, you run with a six foot leash at first and then, or I'm sorry. Yeah. You run with a six foot leash at first and then you go to a longer line and let them hit a couple boxes and then you can shed it uh, and, and move up and you can put tactics into that. But that's pretty much the recipe and it's hot start, warm start, cold start. Um, when I get into the buildings, I actually go based on size. So the first building search that I'll do coming off the boxes is a three, I'm sorry, four door, two bedroom apartment in the projects. So you have one bedroom, two bedroom, 
closet, which you can't really stick anybody in because the shelves come all the way to the door. It's so tiny. And then a bathroom. And they're all right next to one another. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, a, uh, it's almost like an L shape. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's only, the dog only has to go past the living room and kitchen. And then what the most important thing in my opinion is, is being correct. So he's teaching you from the boxes now that he had four options and that he's choosing the correct door. So it's like, yes, we can move on now because you're proofed inside a real building that you're locating source. So from there, I start to step the size of the um, building out and we can start adding more doors. So when typically when a lot of guys, I see a lot of guys and a lot of agencies, when they do their building search, they're starting that way first in like a smaller place with a couple of doors. But what ends up happening is they end up alerting and the handler and sometimes a trainer is not even certain as to what door the dog is really alerting on because mm -hmm. he's got four choices and yet the dog could, the dog could sit his ass down and literally nose door one, nose door two, nose door three and nose door four. That's how close we are. Right. I want that dog to tell me that it's door number two, because that's where the decoy is. So from there, once your, your dog is accurate, independent and accurate, then move forward and start expanding the search in terms of size and doors. But source is the only thing that I need to be concerned with source at, at first, because we're talking about the initial stages going from boxes to building. It's funny because you say that because my um, at the fun house I built, I just I made uh, I used fences, a wooden fence and put feet on the bottom and I built movable walls. And when I'm teaching a dog in the brand new hot start, warm start or whatever, I can turn this one wall and take it from a section that has 10 or 12 rooms to three rooms or four. And there's nowhere from the go but to work these these few doors. And I've had, excuse me, I like it. I have a lot of success. Then I can open that door up and then close another wall. And that adds like two or three more doors, but there's nowhere else for them to go except concentrate on these, these doors. And it, it works out pretty well. It's one of the cheapest things I did. I just went to Home Depot and bought sections of, of wooden fence and built some feet on them and worked out really well. And I don't know how to build shit, dude, nothing. So it was, I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> Rest in peace, your inbox for pictures of those. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everybody's going to want to see it. There's videos. There's videos. I'm telling you, like when this episode airs, just fucking put it on your story and just be done with it and be like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. God forbid every time I show a video of my dogs in the boxes, my bite box, bite development box, what are the dimensions of that? I'm like, I don't fucking know. 30 inches somebody, off the ground. Yeah. Somebody That's the magic this number. high right here. 30 inches. I stand it's right here. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, one last question from me and, uh, when it comes to training, what's your ratio for problems that are just for the dog problems that are for the dog and handler or problems that are just for the handler. And what I mean, like just for the dog would be where the handler is not hiding or anything or not behind anything, but he's going to work that back pressure on the door or things that are just specifically for the dog. 
what kind of a ratio do you usually do? In, in 2006, when I started, or 2021, where we're at today? Uh, let's do now. I know where it's doing now. All right. Well, I'm going to be honest. I feel like a lot of more problems um, come from the handlers now than ever before. Um, and that's going to vary depending on where you are in the country. We're kind of, I, I think I mentioned it last time, but we're in a very tough uh, political climate here in Connecticut in terms of uh, the police accountability bill and all that. And I think a lot of guys are second guessing themselves and, you know, trying to do everything they can to do things right. But it's, uh, it's screwing up their tactics and it's screwing up the dog. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And on the flip side to that coin, I feel like today's dogs are so much better than what there that was around for the pool of dogs. When I started the drives are just way more intense. Um, they're, they're just, their genetics have just gotten stronger and stronger. And I think that, uh, influences the handler to, um, try to be more hands-on because they have a, a, a super high drive dog. So that's another problem. Um, and you know, it's really important just to match up the right dog to the right, to the handler's personality. So I, I think personally there's, there's more handler issues than dog issues. I mean, of course that that's, it's a hard question to answer, but if I had to, if I had to give my opinion, that's what it is. Yeah. We're doing HRD. What, I don't know, Ted, what do you think? A, f a few of the beginning scenarios are just for the dog. And we tell the handler, yeah, this is don't fuck this up. This is just yeah. for the dog. Then oh. the, we have the big scenarios are all, the well, I gotta, I gotta see who, I gotta see what the fucking problem is. I'm yeah. like, if the dog sucks or if the handler's like trying to, well, there's a multitude of issues there, and it can be like, oh, I know the dog sucks, and I'm trying to help him, or I don't know the dog sucks, and I'm trying to help him anyway. Or there's another issue where, like, the dog's a rock star and the handler's a dipshit, and or not a dipshit, but he's just like he just doesn't know any better. He's like, Oh, I was told to do this. And they're doing stuff that they were doing in week one of their handler school. And the dog's four years old. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? And <laughs> like, why are you doing that? And they're like, Oh, well, I'm like, dude, he's like, you, no, we're so far past that right now. <laughs> like the dog doesn't need your fucking help. Don't worry about it. But you know, I mean, we, we do some, it's like, this is straight up for the dog. We do some for the handler and we tell them like, if it's for the dog, like, I just need you to let go of the leash. Like, don't say anything. Definitely don't say good boy if you can't see him. A, a lot of guys, and this <laughs> this comes from like back in 06 and earlier, when they go to maintenance training, they don't believe it's for them. And this is a this is a mistake. Yeah. They believe it's uh for the dog and the dog only. And they don't want scenarios where you're gonna test them. They don't want it, they don't want to do it. Um when we were at um Albany we had these two older guys that uh, was the end of the last day. And I'm like, where have you guys been? Like we haven't, <laughs> everybody's been all. through here twice. We've done two scenarios. Where have you been? They were out, you know, doing something easy. And then when we did the scenario, the one guy, he just 
didn't care what the scenario was. He just sent the dog and walked down through the middle and didn't check nothing. And he, he paid a price for it. and was so pissed. Cause yeah. he's like, this is dog training. He was this is not, mad. you're not here to train me. I'm like, I guarantee you what you just did is what you do on the road. Oh no, I don't. Okay. All right. That was a, so that was I, a fun conversation to watch. I I said, I just told him, I said, I, I know everything I need to know about you, dude. And I turned around and walked away. Um, so, but anyways, that was, you know, and that's my question is it, there's a balance where at sometimes at training, you do have to do it for the dog. But um, I think guys get into that, that habit of not doing anything for the handler. Yeah, we, I'm pretty fortunate. I have a, I have some good, guys and my and girls in my group you know um they uh they listen they pay attention and i think for the most part they all uh took the job for the right reasons um so that being said um they they put forth a good effort and you know we we never try to uh screw each other by like making things easy. In fact, you can go ask any of the guys in my group. They they'll tell you, they'll be like, Oh God, we're it's 10 o'clock and we got two tracks to do, you know, 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at night we've been working since three. And like, yeah, we got two to do, man. So, you know, it ends up being, I mean, we put in more than eight some days and it's, it's because the guys want to be there and the girls want to be there. And, um, we know it's our asses on the line and you can't, like I said, last episode, you can't fake dog training. So you might as well get it in, get it in correct. And to make it to the best, grow your capabilities to the best they could be and don't shortchange yourself. And you can learn a lot by watching other dog handlers. In fact, you learn more as to what not to do when you see or go certify dogs from other areas that you're, you don't really have your hands involved in, you know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, but you could take away the good or bad from any of it. And it's like, all right, well, by watching him, I learned what not to do. And then by watching <laughs> him was like, you know, yeah, that's interesting. That could work. You know, I'm willing to give that a shot, you know? So, but I've been pretty lucky to, to, um, and then the key to dog training is of course you, you surround yourself by people who know more than you and have been through more than you so you can get better that's the only way you're going to get better because if you're just in the same group of five six seven eight guys all the time and don't jump into another group's training or go outside the the group you're 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 limited as to what your group's capabilities are you really are i'm always bringing outside guys and i mean we we i talked to you know your guy jay uh you know, we're always looking to bring in somebody for a specialty class, you know, two, three times a year because, mm-hmm. you know, I got to get a fresh set of eyes on me and to and the dogs that I'm doing to make sure that we're moving along and progressing nicely and we're not, there's no, no issues, you know, so that's how it is. You got to, got to get better. Well, that and that's true that, you know, when uh, Ted and I went to with HRD to Florida down to Jay Nix's place, that group of dogs and guys down there are squared away. Their training is squared away and they are, listen, you can just go watch YouTube. They video everything and yeah, they sure most at all, man. <laughs> so, <They're> sure. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. The Marion County Sheriff is like one of those guys. Which, yeah. 
Whatever. But Jay brought <laughs> us in there. Jay brought us in there. And A, probably a good portion of the reason would be so he can learn and he doesn't have to do the training. He doesn't have to set up the scenarios. He gets a little outside break where he can watch. Plus, then the trainers um, or the handlers get uh, a different perspective. Maybe even we're doing the same thing, but say it differently. So people got to same thing. We bring outsiders in. We went to Boston. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Troy Casey had us up there. We had 30, a lot, 30, 30 teams. Know, a lot, yeah. Th- yeah. A lot of teams. And Troy that's was kind of, well, that's we kept it. We that, like, I know he has like 9,000 9, fucking teams or whatever yeah. it is, but we had 11 yeah, decoys and it was yeah. almost not enough. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot. That was the one where I counted the number of bites and we did like 630 something bites over three days. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. It was a lot. Well, but, here, here it is. <laughs> this is what, this is what I, I tell this at the, the class I teach. And then I, I, when I was in blue at blue line last year, um, I name dropped, but because not obviously not everything I have is mine. I mean, if you go and steal the best, um, the best part of other people's trainings and try to plug it into yours. So like, you know, to have a successful building search, um, you know, if you want to just, you know, do one in service of building searches, just so the dog gets numerous reps and you got everything there and you don't have to take time from shifting from one spot to another, you got to have number one, multiple buildings. Okay. That's important. We always do our building searches, low light, no light, some light. Um, number two, you got to have a good decoy. So you got to get a decoy that, you know, has been at Franco's class or has hung around with, uh, you know, Nesbeth and uh, Carlos Ramirez and those guys. So they know that when the dog is on a bite, they know how to recapture dog if there's an issue or they're, they're giving all the correct signals to the dog. Um, Justin's thing with the power biting, like I said, if you want to have a line strapped to, to somewhere in the room so that the decoy can pick up the, the line while the dog is on the bite, snap it to his harness, and then he can work the bungee while, while the handler is not even in the picture. Um, and you can, you can grow your, your time, time lapse as to actually when the handler does enter the picture. Because how many times have I gotten bites where I can't find my fucking dog because you're like, you're waiting for a guy to yell, but guess what? He's high and he's taking the bite and he's shutting up or he's fighting the dog. And then your dog is doing his job. So you don't hear a word or any noise from your dog. So you're running around this, you know, 10,000 square foot building going, he's got to be cl- very close. Cause you know, we sectioned it off and this is how I moved through the building. He's got to be around here somewhere and do this in muzzle too. Um, I took some of the stuff from Ricky Farley's classes. I, I like his class. I've been to it a couple of times at different seminars do some of the shit that he has in muzzle. So it's more like a little bit more of a truer testimony with the dog, you know, fighting in muzzle, learning to use some of the other parts of his body. And then of course, of course the, the main goal is once you've worked all that shit, then, then you're ready for HRD. You know, mm-hmm. I do have, we don't post that much. I got to get better at social media, but I do have some things on the East Hartford PD canine uh, Instagram page. Um, where there's, like you said, there's that, I think we have one with um, our decoy, Holly, uh, with the helmet on, sitting with in a chair in the middle of a room. We did that one. I think we did it light first, low light first, and then pitch dark second. Um, but that one, we used a tarp, and we used the, the shiny silver underside. So, 
you know, and then another time we use the sheet and then sometimes we put them standing in the room. And then it, it, the bottom line is to make your dog stronger is work your way up to it. Take your time. And it does take time because it should take you like a good year or two to be like, yeah, like I put this dog through a lot of things right now over the last couple of years and he's ready. I mean, it doesn't come in like, you know, a couple in services. It's and like I said earlier, it's, Crawl, walk, run, sprint. I agree. I like that. I like the way you put that. Um, yep. So coming up on blue line, uh, this is the, like the class is pretty much like this, as much as you can do in hour, two hours or whatever they got. But is this uh, basically covering a lot of the stuff? Um, actually I, I do, I have way more. I really do. I got like, it's probably 40 slides worth now. Plus I got some drone footage that we added after last year's, um, I, I got, you know, I was very grateful for Joe and Matt to give me the opportunity to do it. Um, and I, I couldn't believe it was the first time I taught at like a national seminar. And when that first class came at, I think it was 10 o'clock in the morning, you, you were sick, Eric, you weren't there, but, um, the there was people standing on the back wall left wall and right wall and all the seats were filled and then i was like oh shit this is for real <laughs> you yeah. know like yeah. like i gotta produce and just, uh just tell jokes that's all you gotta do yeah. stand up there and tell jokes <laughs> <laughs> yeah the first the first year that we taught at blue line they yeah. gave us a 52 55 person uh, room and we had like 110 people and um so they were packed in there. It was like a Turkish it, steam bath in there. Yeah. And it's Everybody's funny though, because listen, like Troy Casey sitting in the front row. He was sitting in the middle. There was yeah, guys no that fucking pressure with me, <laughs> other guys, a who's who were in there. And so, um, it does give you, uh, it, it can be nerve wracking, but it gives you a good feeling that somebody's listening to you. Somebody's paying attention. Right. Somebody knows that there's a gap. Now, granted, we have the, the podcast is a bunch of those people just wanted to see how stupid we actually are. And we proved it. Um, we just said some dumb ass shit, of course. True story. It was 10 in the morning. I probably said the C word three times during my presentation. So I learned to change that up a little bit. But um, so, yeah, man, I, I like to see it. Hopefully this year we are not um, teaching at the same time because I like to come and sit yeah. in and and learn some stuff and in see fact, the drone footage and all that. I'm sure Matt and Joe will listen to this. Don't put us at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. So, because <laughs> uh, that's the thing, we like to try to. Um, <laughs> we have a booth, you know, usually, and and we like to meet a lot of people. But I like to sneak off into classes, man, and get in and and learn some stuff from uh, like Rigney or Ted Doss or you or. A lot of other guys, man. There's a. I'm going to try to be as much of a student as I can this this time since I missed last year. Um, yeah, it was the same thing. I mean, I I just I went from my class running to the next class, and there I was with my notebook out, you know, ready to take notes like a like a little nerd. But yeah, you know, I got fucking shit on that time because both of the days mine was during Michael Kamisic's thing, so like both days. Like Kamisic was at my like he I was like oh fuck yeah, like Ted I went to your class yeah, oh, I know. Kim, yeah. yeah Kamisic is good too man he's yeah he my, is he's one of the best guests we've had on here so all right East Hartford PD K nine on Instagram right yes yeah, yeah. letter get K9. on there make sure you follow it that 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 
East Hartford PD canine needs to have 20,000 followers, man. Get on it. Get on it. Um, Cause that way we can force Todd then to post more shit. So I will. I, I, I promise go. I'm going to get, I'm going to get better at, uh, better at posting some other stuff it, it's tough when you're working <laughs> though i get it so yes it is ted I always, I always ask the other guys to do it and they've been pretty good they've been bringing drones and shit and doing nice filming some stuff yeah so nice ted where are you at uh ted underscore summers on instagram uh ted sickles on facebook <clears throat> which facebook is not work a lot anyway um so uh yeah and then torchlight canine letter k number nine torchlight pets uh hrd police canine for hrd stuff uh we just announced um st louis and then louisiana and we're working on an international one uh for 2022 that should be interesting so that'll be fun and then there's another one that's not solidified yet that i think is coming back up so we 2022 will be busy we'll have hrds uh for sure um and then uh, of course working underscore dog underscore radio um, so one thing we're talking about also, um, recently between us is that we're going to make the uploads the same number per year, but it's going to be easier to remember rather than like, when's the episode coming out? Like, ah, dude, it's the third, the 13th, the 23rd and people still can't remember it. So, uh, we're going to go to a different format after the first of the year, um, so that it's easier for everybody to remember and we'll get the same number of episodes in and like, it's always going to be on the same day and that kind of stuff. So, um, after, uh, 2022 is going to be a little bit of a change for us, but yeah, Eric, where are you? Uh, Van S K nine on Instagram, right? Van S K nine Academy on Facebook, Ridgeside K nine, Ohio on Facebook. And we have a RSK nine, Ohio on Instagram. Um, it's funny. Cause so on, uh, Thanksgiving holiday, holiday, my wife and I and my youngest daughter were in Texas visiting my son that Black Friday back at the facility, uh, the girls <laughs> and the guys had, we had a photographer come out oh, God. and put up a whole like snow scene and all this shit and take pictures of clients, dogs that, that wanted to come daycare or stop by. We had 70 dogs. I just before this got the link from the photographer uh, the best 500 bucks I ever spent. It's <laughs> yeah. Yes. Flipping hilarious these pictures. <laughs> and, um, I mean, you just gotta be a dog lover to like them, but we're going to be giving them to our clients as Christmas gifts. It was, you know, on the pet side, that was pretty fun. It, it turned out to be pretty great. Um, but, uh, yeah, check out Van S and also on workingdogradio.com, We saw, we have a lot of t-shirts, a lot of cool t-shirt ideas. Ted and I are, brainstorming 2022 we got some new designs we're going to come up with um we just got to figure out something that's as good as the make america bite again shirt that ted came up with or better because that thing is so flipping legit (laughs) that's the best shirt we've ever had turned into a patch yeah man thing was awesome that turned into that was from a rant that somebody else that, um, doesn't matter how it happened, but <laughs> well, yeah, Todd, so. thanks for coming on again, man. Thanks for uh fitness in. Um, this is only the second part two that we've ever done, so true story. That's pretty good. That's All right, man. Good. I, feel, I feel special now. I thought I forgot we do got, we do got capital underscore region underscore canine underscore training uh on Instagram as well, and that is uh the, the entire group oh basically oh shit I follow that and we yeah i was just oh, i was just yeah, looking at it 
I was just looking sure. at it. We uh, we got to get some more on there too, but we got different stuff on there from what we have on ours. And there's some decent scenario training that um, gives some people some ideas maybe. Yeah. Capital underscore canine underscore association. Capital underscore region underscore oh, region canine, canine. Got underscore it. training. Yeah. And then we got some new pictures of the puppy up there. So I see it. Yep. Yeah. I've been following that for a minute. So, yeah. all right. Get on it, folks. Thanks again. Uh, and we'll see you at the next one. Yep. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, Todd Mona on Facebook. Thanks. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D-E-G-E blogspot.com be sure to buy him a beer at amazon itunes or cd baby or anywhere you stream your music working dog radio was edited and co-produced by alicia brandt